Welcome to Bruin Source. This is Ed. This is Kevin. We are back in the middle of Pac-12 play for basketball, and it's been a doozy, man. I uh, <laughs> I wasn't I wasn't expecting this. I don't think anybody was expecting this. Um, we've seen it all at this point, and uh, yeah, I don't I don't even know where we stand right now. I guess let's start with last week since we haven't we haven't spoken in in a little bit it's been a weird week really weird week yeah uh it feels like it feels like we need to divide this uh last couple of weeks like pre mlk weekend and post mlk weekend and pre mlk weekend was uh not good by any stretch of the the imagination i mean i don't even you can't sugarcoat this. UCLA was on a four-game losing streak, and we lost by nearly 50 to Utah in the program's second-worst defeat in its history. Second-worst defeat since the famed, you know, Maples Massacre under Steve Lavin when I think we lost by, like, close to 50 or over 50 um, out, out, out at Stanford. I don't know the exact number. Uh, but there was that. There was also a similar game under Alford, um, where we also went to. It was also at Utah, ironically. But this one was worse. We lost that game seventy-one thirty-nine. Um, it, we didn't end up losing like literally by fifty, uh, which is what this was. And I, that the Utah game, it was just it was a new low point that you didn't even think existed, right? Because. I, I think generally speaking, when coming into the season, you accepted, okay, we lost a lot of guys. We're going to probably like rebuild this year. But what that meant was a little different for everybody, right? For some people, it was like, okay, well, we won't be a two seed, but we'll still have a pretty good seed. And for others, it was like, well, we'll still make the tournament and, you know, just hope to just scrape through however we can. But no one expected this. And then really no one expected anything like Utah. Like that, that was... A, a truly like program cratering event um, and a, a game where it looked I mean, at, at that time, right? Like, cause games have happened since then, but in, in that game that, you know, the players had just, they, they make it lost the voice. They weren't listening to them. Um, so many bothersome things happened in that game. I mean, in the second half, you know, when Utah started to build the lead there um, just Sebastian Mack chucking up bad shot after bad shot. Um, you know, Lazar Stefanovic clearly got in his head with all the booing and all that stuff. Um, I mean, kids just looked frightened, scared that, you know, if we dribble a ball wrong, we're going to get benched. Except that wasn't actually happening in this game, which was really weird. Um, and, and the whole thing, I mean, we talk a lot about what the culture is at UCLA. Uh, that game... You could turn the ball over. You could miss shots. Um, you could do quite about anything. And I mean, the guys who played were the guys who who played. I mean, there was no, there was very little accountability that I saw out there. Um, you know, Mac could do whatever he wanted. He couldn't wouldn't get benched. Svondrich could do whatever he wanted. Wouldn't get benched. Dylan Andrews could do whatever. Could, wouldn't get benched. Um, that I thought was a, a and we're going to spend some time here because I think it it it, it just it, it deserves it uh, a real low point for the season. We talked about the season before it started, right? Like we knew this was going to be a young team. We knew there were going to be struggles. We knew we weren't going to win big like we did the last couple of years. We we knew all of that going into this. We talked about we need to be patient with this team. We talked about how the growth won't be linear. There's probably going to be some ups and downs as the season progresses. But ultimately, what we thought was we would start seeing them improve by mid-January and, and you know, become a fairly formidable team by the, the time February and March rolled around and we would be a tournament team. This team at, uh, last week did not look... Like a tournament team, obviously, it did not look like a college team. Like you, they looked like high school players out there running around, and 
that that stat that everyone keeps pointing out is like we're one of the youngest teams, if not the youngest team in the country right now. Yeah, that showed, and we played like that. And that being said, like that shouldn't be an excuse. And you you just get the sense at that that juncture of the season where it didn't need to be this bad. You know, the defense has been actually pretty solid all season. It's the offense that has been struggling, and Mick Cronin has put together very, very efficient offenses historically at UCLA and, and even before. Yet it's just not working, and and that game was just a culmination of all of those things kind of falling into one one game, and it, it, it completely impacted the defense. It, it is that the lack of confidence just really kind of hit a high note in that game on offense to the point where, I mean, Mick Cronin wasn't even mad or yelling in most of this game. He just sat there kind of silently. And I think that that was very telling of this game in terms of where this team stands or stood, where that roster stood, where the, the heads of the players were at, where the heads of the coaches were at. I mean, every it was baffling to see. It was just, I, I never thought that it would be this bad under Mick Cronin to see a team this lost, to see a team this rudderless, to see a team without toughness, without grittiness, without, you know, the the effort and willpower to play the game. It was unbelievable to see. I mean, I I... I I was at a point where I was like, holy shit, we need to fire Mick Cronin. (laughs) That's how bad it was. reaction when you're losing like that. Uh, And and let's be clear. Utah is a good team at home, but they are not a great team. They are not a team that should be beating a team as talented as UCLA is, regardless of the youth. The talent is still there, and I think we can maintain that. They should not be beating UCLA by 46, 48, 50 points. Ever. Utah went the week before to the Arizona schools, lost both games um, by double digits, and got creamed at Arizona. Okay, and, and uh, I know we're, we're, we haven't gotten to, like, the, the future games yet, but they just, in, the, in their last game, went and lost at Stanford. So they're okay, right? Utah's fine. They're, they're trying to scrape their way into the tournament somehow, um, but they're not world beaters. They're not world beaters. No, they are they are not world beaters. And look, yeah. So I mean, I think the Utah, like you said, a lot of the value of keeping a coach like McCronin was always you just hope you never have to go through a season like this, right? That there would just there would be an element of stability that was attached to it, um, and I think this season is teaching us a few things. Uh, it, it's teaching us that with this coach, UCLA is not going to do very well when it comes to just massive turnover. Mick Cronin needs a group of players that have kind of gone through the battles with him, and then it's just cyclical. You know, the the next class teaches the next class, and the juniors teach the sophomores, and the sophomores teach teach the freshmen. I mean, even last year, if we remember, like early in the year, when we had all those returning players and we were just inserting two five-star freshmen into the starting lineup, like it took two, three months to like turn that into the elite team that it was. So generally speaking, this team with, you know, what was seven to nine new players didn't stand a chance. Uh, and, and I'm, I'm not saying that as an excuse. I'm saying that it's, it's been exposed that it didn't stand a chance that, and under this setup, that that's just these are the kind of years you can expect when you get that kind of turnover. And so what it means just generally speaking going forward is you know, we're we're gonna need to have the roster of stability and the lot the roster of upperclassmen where you build and get, you know, those, you know, four star tough nosed players and whatnot and, and build them up and always plan effectively because the moment you have turnover this is what it can look like. We know we have this in our mind now. It can't leave. But also, I think it does expose a few things. Like, generally speaking, I don't think any of us are opposed to that idea. I think 
most college basketball programs, like the best ones, are built on that kind of ideology. But this is UCLA. Like, there's always going to be, like, general turnover. Uh, and, and more turnover than there's going to be at, at a lot of schools, just by nature of the kind of players you're recruiting, just the, by the, kind, the exposure that players get here. Um, and that, I think, just generally speaking, however the season goes from here, has been exposed a bit. Yeah, I mean, looking back at it, it really feels like McCronin did not expect somebody like Amari Bailey to leave, right? You, ha- you get a guy like Amari back, that's that continuity coupled with Dylan Andrews, coupled with a Dembona, and that's three out of your five guys in your starting lineup who have a year of experience under his, his tutelage, who have a year of experience in his system, who know what it takes to win games under McCronin's rule. And you lose that, and you get only a guy like basically Dylan Andrews, who didn't play a ton last year. Uh, you see, get a Dembono, who did play a ton last year, and we're actually seeing, and we'll get to his improvement this season, we're seeing actually good results from Dem, generally speaking. And and then the other guy really returning is, is Kenny Nuba, who really doesn't play. Like, yeah. It really felt like he was expecting at least one of the one other guy to come back, and when that didn't happen, it has all kind of fallen apart. And these young guys do not have the leadership from some of the older guys to teach them the system, and now they're kind of having to figure it out all on their own. And it's taking significantly longer than we thought it was going to take, which is really weird to say because we saw the early season games and. The team seemed way ahead of schedule at that point. So I don't know exactly what to make of that, what actually kind of caused this to go haywire a little bit. But I think a lot of this is on McCronin. I think, you know, he, one, should have understood the roster turnover. And, and, you know, maybe he hasn't been in a position like this at a school like this, obviously, where, you know, guys jump earlier than they might in other places just because they have the exposure and the name brand kind of backing them. Someone like Amari Bailey, for instance. That's on Mick, and hopefully he learns and and grows from that experience. The other thing that's on Mick is, look, I understand he is very set in his ways. He has a system. He is a guy who believes wholeheartedly in his philosophy. And I, and I think that is a good thing overall. I think that is what we want for this program. We want that tough-nosed defensive mindset. We want, you know, guys to play hard and for each other. That's all great. Like, I, I don't think anybody will, will uh, oppose that type of basketball at UCLA because it generally means winning. That being said, when things are so different, when you have gotten into a position where the system in its kind of original form that Mick Cronin wants to generally deploy is not working, we need the coach who, again, we've talked about this. We think he's a great coach overall. We need that coach to... Think outside of the box a little bit. Be a little bit more flexible. You know, bend the rules of his own coaching philosophy a little bit here because this is a situation where this philosophy, this system has not been in before. Let the freshmen make mistakes. Like, I understand that it will drive the dude crazy. It's probably taking years of his life off, but he needs to put them in and let them get the game experience. Let them make those mistakes now. Stop yanking guys. Let them, you know, shoot a little bit more freely. Like, just do the things a little bit differently here. And I think we will see good results. And I think if we're looking ahead a little bit to what we're going to talk about next, we might be seeing a little bit of that. Yeah, I think just generally speaking, um, I mean, there, there's there's two things there, which is, you know, when you're in a season like this, um, and but it's not even just this year; it's it's really every year. There has to be time that you dedicate in meaningful games to give your younger players reps, especially the ones that, you know, 
if, if they're anywhere near ready to contribute, like you, you gotta have them as part of your rotation because that's, that's just, that's how this program is going to be built um, under, you need those players to grow from smaller roles to bigger roles. And, and gradually speaking, um, you know, Dylan Andrews, for example, we were pretty dominant in a lot of games last year. Could we not have given Dylan Andrews some more of a run as like the, the, the main point guard last year to like see what that looks like? with the better players from, from last year. Uh, could that have put us in a better situation with him, you know, coming into this year? Maybe. Uh, you know, Will McClendon, kind of the same deal there. Now, he, he had his time and whatnot. But I think that's that's the example there. And now this season, you know, for the life of me, uh, you know, none of these guys are that good. No one, I would say, has been established as a Mick Cronin quote-unquote player. What, there's no reason that any one player in, in this on this team needs to be getting like over 30 minutes um, besides maybe a have, Dambona besides a Dambona if he can stay in the game right uh, which he's, he's been better at so you know your entire rotation you know Berke, Ilan Fabloy who has shown he ha- I mean he's the best athlete on the team he has shown he can be a Jalen Clark like Mick Cronin like player um Jan Vide uh, has has shown some signs that he can help be a point guard. You know what is what are the likes of Dylan Andrews and Sebastian Mack and Lazar Stefanovic doing that good to where like those guys can't get an even dis- distribution of minutes? Like you gotta let them all run and like this season at this point is not about trying to make the tournament or anything like that. Like that that dream is long gone. It's about finding who can you move forward with because. The scary thing with this right now is like, you know, if you got to the end of the year and you have just a handful of these guys you can move forward with and you basically have to retool the whole roster again. That sounds like another season like this. That's what we can't have. So, I mean, this is the kind of when we say forward thinking, it's the kind of thinking that generally speaking, I think you should have with with rosters at at UCLA. You need to get players and, and help them grow and give them confidence like that. But especially on a team like this, where like no one on this team, like it's not a single person outside of a Dembona, has done anything to earn a meaningful role that is set in stone game after game, not a single one. And that I think has to be something that you kind of use for the rest of the year. It's not about winning the next game. Like I know that's completely anti what McCronin thinks, but it's not about that anymore. It's about who can I move forward with. Because I need a, a, a good number of these guys to move forward with. And and by the way, like, I can't just do the whole, like, mistake you're benched anymore. There's a thing called the transfer portal. And if I'm going to lose a, a lot of these guys again next year, like, I'm in for this, this whole ride again. So that's got to be the mindset going forward. I agree. I, I, I think we need to figure out who's, who, who's worth worth keeping on this roster right and and i think we're seeing signs of life i i, I think if we're looking right, ahead positive now we want to be positive well i don't know about positive but i i think there's <laughs> there's you know we we just talked about we're, we don't need to win games we just need to see improvement yet after that drubbing when you look at that game you're looking forward and you're like holy shit we're going to never win a game ever again like that's what it felt like right yeah it absolutely did and it didn't matter if we were home or away like we were losing regardless of where we were playing so going home you know the sunday after to play washington on a long weekend you know didn't feel like we were going to improve in any way didn't feel like there was any anything positive on the horizon after that utah game now you look at the Washington game, and as I'm sitting there watching that game, I'm shocked. I mean, UCLA basically led that game from almost start to finish. We kind of took control maybe five, six, seven minutes into that game and really like looked pretty solid doing it. And I'm not saying Washington is some sort of world beater, but Washington is actually a solid team this year. And so, yeah. 
for for UCLA to pick their heads up after that Utah drubbing and actually go out and execute a an effective game plan both on offense and defense here was frankly like shocking to me. I I I didn't see it coming. Yet here we are. UCLA is actually playing well. I mean, you look at that game, we shot 50%, you know, 40, almost 43% from three. We looked competent moving the ball and actually creating good looks. Uh, In the first half, at least, our defense was pretty, pretty locked in. I think we, we loosened up a little bit in the second half, but for for the most part, we were playing really good defense in that game. And lo and behold, we basically, we drubbed Washington. I mean, the, the final score was 12, but like we won by 12, but we ultimately, you know, we're blowing them out for half that game. You know, we're up 15, 16 points for most of it. And then it, it, it was a complete shocker to me. Yeah, so it's interesting because Washington's, if you look at them in Ken Palm, so they're like 60th right now in Ken Palm, but I think before the game they were like in the 50s somewhere. So that's about the profile of, you know, Oregon um, and, and, and such. Uh, that That's like the type of profile of team we're talking about. So not great, um, but not bad. And we control the game wire to wire. So... That was a good sign. I, my my takeaway from the Washington game was, you know, I, I'm, I'm happy we shot better and all that. Um, but to me, you know, the, the only way this team is going anywhere this year, I mean, we're not, we're not going anywhere, but the, the main thing for this team is now, again, who can be a Mick Cronin player? Like, who, who can we move forward with? And you, the best way to look at that is who can guard the ball who is who doesn't make mistakes on defense with the rotations and such? Who gets rebounds? Who gets deflections? Who gets turnovers? And who doesn't turn the ball over? And the first five things are all like effort things in there, and that in my mind is why we control this game from start to finish. Washington just had a pathetic effort compared to what we had out there. Uh, the especially that the big guy Bradenbach or, or or whatever his name was. Um, just out hustled the whole night uh, and that to me is what won the game Mick Cronin talked about the stat the stat that they always measure deflections uh, they had 22 in this game um, and even to the the eye like that was the first game where we had that level of deflections where we could actually get out and get a couple of easy baskets there's like, no no baskets come easy for this team the whole year um, and beyond that like Mac picked up a couple early fl- fouls but that also allowed us to see more of the guard rotation. Um, so Jan Vide got in, Will McClendon got in, um, and we got to see him run the team a bit. And so that was encouraging. Ilan Fabloy only got five minutes, but in the five minutes he was out there, he got a steal, um, he got some deflections. Like, why? That, 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 that kid needs a bigger role. Uh, you cannot lose Ilan Fabloy at the end of the year. Uh, for whatever reason. Um, but overall, I mean, th- that to me was the takeaway of the game. Like, if, if UCLA is going anywhere this year, like, you got to find who's a Mick Cronin player. That's your best way, I think, to win games as well as to, like, move forward and, and figure out, like, hey, who can I stick with for next year? Yeah, and, and you mentioned a few of the players, but even guys like Berkay, we're, we saw him actually kind of settle down and he played good basketball. I mean, he, he scored nine points, you know, rebounded the ball. Well, got a couple of assists in there and he looked like he was starting to gain some confidence and kind of become a force down low. And then obviously we, we didn't even mention a Dembona who had a fantastic game scoring the ball. He was 10 for 13 for 22 points. Yep. It was kind of a weird game from him though. Cause he only had one rebound the entire game. Um, he, he needs to do better there. But that was what you get from a Dambona when he is playing controlled, patient basketball. Uh, when you are putting him in a position to actually be close to the basket and go to work there, 
he has been fantastic. Uh, and, and this was a game I, I felt like we had a, a game plan and made a concentrated effort to actually get him the ball in those positions. And it, and it worked, right? Dylan Andrews was able to actually really run that offense fairly well this game uh, for once. He, he, picked, he didn't shoot well, but you know he got eight, eight assists. Sebastian Mack, again, he did a lot better when he was passing the ball rather than just blindly driving into, you know, the, the, the teeth of the defense. And he picked up three assists in that process. And, we, you know, the ball moved freely. And we created good looks. And then you mentioned Jan Vide a little bit here, but I truly think Jan Vide is kind of the key to potentially having a... a guard a pass first type guard here dylan andrews is not that guy sebastian mack is not that guy but jan vide actually i think has demonstrated some good vision and some good passing ability and um he hit a three in this game i we know he hasn't been scoring the ball a lot but his that shot that he he can create uh, kind of in the mid-range, I, I think we'll start following once he, he gets some confidence in, once he kind of sees a couple of those going in, once he gets a little bit more comfortable. Um, I, I would really like to see him play a lot more in that lead guard um, spot uh, over even Dylan Andrews. Getting him some time on the bench, I think, will help Andrews play better and, you know, getting V-Day in there for, for more game experience and ultimately helping run that offense, I, I think will be a good thing here. But I, yeah, like, like I said earlier, this was a shocking result. And I think it speaks to some of the Mick Cronin culture and some of the system, right? We've talked a lot about, you know, and, and this has been this discourse amongst a lot of UCLA fans around the, the whole self-selection thing. And, and I think there's some element of that here, right? This is a team that chose, and these are all players that chose to play for McGrunen. They knew exactly what they were getting into, right? They knew that this was a tough place to play. The system was tough. McGrunen is not going to sugarcoat anything. And, you know, I, I think we're seeing that, that at play a little bit here because these guys did not hang their heads after that drubbing at Utah. You, you very well could have seen a very defeated team after that, right? with even less effort, with, you know, no fight, no no will to keep playing. Yet we saw these guys, you know, kind of pick themselves back up, looked, them, looked in the mirror a little bit, and came out and actually won a game against a solid team and put in a good effort. And I think that was, that was a very, very positive sign, not necessarily for this season, but, you know, for these players, like you mentioned, seeing these, these guys improve – seeing some Mick Cronin kind of players actually emerge and ultimately going into next season. Like I, I, I think after that Utah game, it felt really bad, but maybe things aren't as bad as we thought they were after last Thursday. Yeah. I mean, look, I'm not going to react too much to any, any one win uh, at this point. I think it was good to see that, you know, no one's quit because uh, after losing by as much as we did at Utah, it would have been easy to come in and throw the towel, and they did do that. Um, and now as we even shift into the next game, right, uh, the game against Arizona State, you know, I, I know I said wins and losses don't matter this year, but I do think it was important for UCLA to win a game like this. Um, we, we've been in a lot of close games this year, um, and – to first just, you know, come back on the road and then hold on to a win like this and, and win one of these games. Um, you know, because Washington, we kind of controlled it the whole way out. This is one where we kind of had to come back and fight at the end to, to, to win a close one. And that was something we hadn't done the whole year. So I thought that was important to do. Um, we're, we're cooking with gas here now. We, we've strung two wins together. Which has been rare. I mean, for 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 this season, yeah, I mean, that's that really is cooking with gas for this year, <laughs> right? Uh, and, and again, like I'm 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 not gonna react too much to one win or anything like that. But, but now we've got two. But we got two. Damn. All right. In this game, I think, generally speaking, uh, you know, 
the second half when Mac went out and Will and and it sounds like I'm bagging a lot on Mac. I'm, I'm not um, because I think we saw the value of him down the stretch in this game. But early on, putting Will McClendon in just to get the ball moving uh, and get everyone sharing the ball, getting quality looks to Adembona, who, to his credit, made great decisions uh, when the, the backside traps and such came on him uh, to find open guys. And then, lo and behold, when guys are wide open, they, they made a few more shots, right? Um, that combined with just some absolute buffoonery from a Bobby Hurley team, this was, I just have to say, this was one of the most bizarre, entertaining, chaotic games of basketball I have ever seen. It was fucking so the, awesome. So the basketball was terrible, right? Um, but, like, there was an element of a comeback in it, and then there were these, like, people just completely imploding, and all of these individual things made it this, like, hilariously entertaining game. It was truly insane i mean every that second half was unhinged it was it was great that 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 is that was like pure college basketball with the most highest level of insanity i want to see that every single night and and for ucla i think again uh getting the ball moving there's not a natural passer on this team i think we all know that but at least just getting it moving a bit and then when the game got tight, that's when you see the value of someone like Sebastian Mack, who is fearless down the stretch. He's not scared to to run in transition and drive into contact, and he can finish from from a lot of different angles. Um, you know, he, he has the ability to finish. And that, I thought, I mean, was was great in the sense that, you know, we turned to him to score when we needed a bucket, and it, which, is, which, which was good. Now, the one thing I didn't like about this game, um, you look at the, the minutes distribution again. Um, Jan Vide, one minute. Elon Fiblois, six minutes. Uh, Ken Naruba had three minutes. And so first off, again, uh, why anyone, why any of Jan Vide and Elon Fiblois should be getting less than 10 minutes in any game is, is beyond me. No one on this team has done anything to solidify their their place. Um, you know, Lazar Stefanovic had a had a nice game like down the stretch, uh, like early on and then at the end, and everything in the middle was was kind of kind of bad. Right? I will I will give Lazar Stefanovic some credit here, though. I I know we've been you know pretty critical of him over his short tenure here at UCLA, but he's strung together two games where he scored 15 and now 18 you know he shot 40 percent in this game but he made three of seven threes and it feels like he's regressing back to his mean a little bit which is a good thing i think what we saw out of lazar over the past month or so was the absolute worst right and now we're seeing him kind of get back to his normal a little bit and and that's good that's that's a good thing you're you're seeing him kind of get through that funk here um now that being said should he be playing 34 minutes probably not but you know he's he's showing his value he's scoring he's rebounding you know he he does a lot of the good stuff there um so i i will give him credit there for for stepping up again uh after a, a r- pretty rough stretch especially after utah him especially would have been easy to throw in the towel um and look, it's not his fault that he's been put into a team where he has to play a much bigger role than he's probably able to do for for the expectations. Um, so credit to him on that. Now, again, like I go back to my main point. like Dylan Andrews, 36. Lazar Stefanovic, 34. Jan Vide, 1. Ilan Fabloy, 6. That sh- should not happen to me. Uh, and like this upcoming game against Arizona, like we're probably going to get destroyed anyways. Um like just let everyone feel what it's like out there right like now if it becomes so bad and like it's going to destroy their confidence that's one thing but like you got to know if you go into next year into all the the big 10 environments like who can you put out there and and this is going to be a chance to do that um now the guy that hasn't played at all is a daimara 
So th- I, I was going to get to this. This is, uh, I want to hear your thoughts on this. Cause I, I, I'm, I'm baffled. Yeah. I don't get it. I like when Peyton Watson was a freshman and he wasn't getting a lot of minutes, you could see why, because you had Jules Bernard ahead of him and Jaime Hawkins ahead of him. And you had so many players who had just been to the final four, uh, Last year, when Dylan Andrews wasn't getting the minutes that we're talking, saying maybe he should have gotten last year, you could kind of get it because you had Tiger Campbell and Amari Bailey was was better than him and Jalen Clark, right? You had players who were far ahead in the system, and were all and, and the team was really good. There was expectations there. On this team, like Ken Nwuba, I, I like Ken Nwuba, but like he's not going to be around in the future. It's not even that he's going to be around in the future. I refuse to believe that the three to five to ten minutes that Kenuba gives you, which have been pretty terrible minutes from him, by the way, cannot be any worse than what a Daimara would give you. And in fact, I think a Daimara's upside obviously is much higher, but even with this version of a Daimara where he's still learning, I think he still gives you a much higher opportunity to score or rebound than what Kenuba does because he's not defending well. He's not doing anything really. Yeah, and, and early on in the year, the first ten games, Mick always has those like one to two players who he's going to give extra leash to them because he believes, hey, we need you down the stretch. Um, if we're this team's going to reach their potential, you need to reach your potential. It was Johnny Juzang. It was then last year, Amari Bailey. It looked like that was going to be a Daimara. Um, in, on this team, it looks like it's Sebastian Mack, uh, for sure. But it looked like that was also going to be a Daimara. And after, like, ten games, in the last, like, four to five, it just feels like the plug's been pulled on him. Um, he, he just doesn't play anymore. I don't get it. Uh, I don't know, again, what is going on behind the scenes in, in practice if there's some sort of injury involved, I, it's it's baffling to me why he's not seeing the floor, why he's not taking Nuba's minutes. It is it is a very strange thing to kind of see, but I guess we'll see. Maybe we're just trying to keep him matchup dependent. I, I don't know, but yeah, it's a it's a strange, strange, strange thing. I'm not sure. Um, yeah, and again, like, on all this stuff, we don't know what's going on, right? Like you said, so whatever is going on. But if if it is another tough guy thing of, hey, you got to show me it in, you know, in practice, and you got to do this in the games, and, oh, you're making too many mistakes in games, and that's why you're not getting in. Like, everyone's making mistakes on this team. Uh, the to me, like, that's where that falls short. But but also, like, let's not pretend like the rules, like, literally are the same for everyone. They're, they're not. Adai Mara won't be here probably next year if this continues. And again, we don't know anything, right? But but if you're in his shoes and you're seeing, like, well, these are the guys playing ahead of me. Um, I know I'm wanted elsewhere. Like, that could happen. Now, now, maybe the coaching staff thinks oh well we, we've had enough of this like I, I we don't know this is all just baseless speculation right all we know is he's not playing ken is playing like a solid eight to ten minutes ahead of him every game and it doesn't match up with what was going on earlier in the year i don't know i don't know what's going on there i guess we're just gonna have to see kind of where where it develops um speaking of big men though adembona though he did foul out in this game, played an insane game. I mean, the the dude erased every shot at the rim. And he had seven blocks to go with four of six shooting, nine, nine points. He rebounded the ball much better in this game, uh, six rebounds. And what you mentioned earlier, he played really, really smart basketball when he, he got under the rim, got double teamed. He passed the ball and passed the ball to open shooters who, you know, hit shots. Um, and he collected five assists in the process. I mean, if, if UCLA is to have a 
effective offense. That is what we need to do. Get it to Bona. Let him go to work. And if he is playing smart basketball, which now he's showing he can do and do consistently, we can actually run a, a, a pretty decent offense here. And that's what we did. And and credit to Bona. He fought through some foul trouble here, which, you know, he's been generally much better at. Um, but he was playing like a man on fire. And that was that was fun to watch him uh, do do what he did tonight. And, and he was he was really key in that second half, especially. The other guy I want to mention from this game that we're, we're seeing a lot of confidence out of is Brandon Williams. I mean, Brandon Williams had a hell of a game. He sh- scored 13 points on five of six. He hit a three with confidence. He's rebounding the ball well. He, he plays, you know, decent defense. He still makes some mistakes. He's still a really young guy. But... I, that was not in the in my bingo card. This, I guess there's not a lot of things in my on my bingo card this year. What would happen with UCLA basketball? To be fair, that has happened. But him emerging as another you know four spot kind of guy and and a reli- a reliable guy. You know, going back to what you were saying earlier, I was like, who are the Mick Cronin guys? Who are guys who are going to step up and emerge? He's a prime example of that right now and doing it at a very early stage of his, his time at UCLA. And that's that's been really good to see um, him step up and actually start, you know, playing at a high level. But the the one concern here, and, and this goes back to your earlier point, is point guard. I don't think we really have a true point guard on this roster. I mean... Dylan Andrews had a pretty pretty um, mediocre game in this. He didn't shoot the ball well. You know, he rebounded okay. He did, you know, collect four assists, but he he seems to struggle to run the offense here, right? I think Sebastian Mack does a d- much better job when he's playing under control, and he did that in this game, especially in that second half. And we'll get back to him a little bit, but this goes back to your point. Jan Vide should not be playing one minute. Jan Vide would ideally play at least 10 minutes right now and reduce Dylan Andrews' time to like 26, 25 minutes. Make it make sense but, to me. Yeah, I, again, like, I just, I keep going back to the same thing. No one as outside of a Dembona has earned and solidified a, like, solid... I must play more than 25 minutes uh, type of role on this team. No one has earned that. Uh, and so until they have, like, to, you have to earn your place. That, that's been the foundation of Micron and teams. Uh, those who have earned their place get to play. And, and right now, no one's really earned it. There's no real drop-off between like one guy to the next. It, just each person brings something a little different. So to me, you know, Micron said before the year that he wanted to keep guys fresh, the freshmen. Um, we needed to rotate a lot. And then you look at what actually is happening and we're not really doing that um we once again have a rota- like six guys that were playing a lot of minutes um and then a couple of guys that were just sprinkling in here and there and again to me like no one has earned that level of trust on this team i will say though i think there was a a little shift though right in terms of sebastian mack in the second half did not start the game you know, uh, yeah. that that was a little bit different. That's I, I feel like a sign that Mick Cronin might be adjusting a little bit, might be a little bit more flexible to this because he he looked at it and said, look, I, Mac is struggling. Mac is not playing well. He's fouled a couple of times like he, he he should not be starting the second half. Now, you know, to Mac's credit. He came in and responded to that benching, right, in a really positive way. I think the best Sebastian Mack you see is when he plays with his head up. You, you, we've seen the bad side of Sebastian Mack, right, that tendency to drive into the, the defense kind of blindly and chuck up wild shots that often don't go in and often they do. It just kind of uh, plays out of control. When he's actually looking to pass, and he did in this game um, to start, to get him going, it, it it kind of is the 
the essence of how he can play really good basketball. And when he's looking to pass, then people have to respect that, right? And it kind of opens up the defense for him a little bit. And he has a a fantastic ability to draw fouls. But what I, I saw in this game a little bit more is, I think in past games, he had a tendency to just try to draw the foul, but not actually try to finish through contact. We saw him actually starting to finish through contact to actually, you know, try to go for the and one, not just the foul shots. Try, And, you know, I think he's realizing those fouls don't always get called, right? So it's much better to finish. Um, and, and we saw that. And he really carried this team offensively in that second half. I mean, if Sebastian Mack is not going nuclear in that final 10, 15 minutes of this game, we lose. We absolutely lose this. So... Credit to him for stepping up and responding to him being benched at the half. Um, that's, 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 again, a really good sign of this team starting to maybe mature a little bit, to learn a little bit, to, to you know, get a little bit more comfortable within the McCronin system. Um, I was really, really happy to see that actually happen. And... The one thing I will say uh, kind of about the, the mental makeup of this team. Going back to how fucking crazy this game was. The crowd was going nuts. You know, the coaches are fighting on the sidelines. You know, the players, there's players getting ejected on ASU. The players are getting teed up on ASU. You know, there's some pushing and shoving going on. That environment could have really impacted, you know, the mental state of, of our players. You know, as young as they are, that could have really thrown them off. That could have really, you know, caused them to play bad basketball, to panic, to rush things. And they did it. I, I, I thought they responded to that hostile environment, that wild kind of nature of this game in a really mature way that again, it was a little surprising to me based on how, what we've seen over the past month. It was like, they could have been really shook by that. And the fact that they were not shook by that, the fact that they actually played through that kind of heads down, like, let's just go keep going to work every possession. Again, is another really good sign that, you know, this team is, you know, not, I guess not all hope is lost for this roster, for this team. Yeah, I think these two wins basically do that, right? It's, you know, uh, what looked like was an untenable situation after the Utah game. Um, All we can say now is that it's not completely untenable. Now, we don't know if they're going to recover from this. We don't know uh, if, you know, there is a group here that you can move forward with or not. Um, Just... Right now, you can say all hope is not lost yet. Now, uh, we got some tough games coming up, most notably this weekend, uh, right, where we go to Tucson. And disgusting. that has the... Right, disgusting place. That has the potential to snowball a bit. <coughs> and so, if it does, you know, basically, the test this weekend is we cannot you got to have some pride. You can't let that kind of a loss happen again. Um, you can't get embarrassed like that the rest of the year. And if you can do that, if you can start to find some players, then that's great. And, you know, if, if this team does turn a corner, then we'll see more of these wins coming regularly. Um, but until then, you know what? Like, let's let's wait and see. It, it's maybe not as hopeless as we thought, uh, but but... You know, you lose like that to, to Utah, uh, you're going to need to do a lot more than a couple wins against Washington and Arizona State to to, to get everyone feeling comfortable again. It'll be interesting to see this game, right? This is probably the most hostile environment we're going to play in all year. Uh, we've talked about how nasty and, you know, horrid Arizona fans generally are, especially in their home court. Um, this is, there's obviously a lot of bad blood between the programs and those teams. So there's, there's always that element. And it's the last time for the foreseeable future, UCLA is going to go to Tucson. So there's, I hope so. Right. Yeah. Right. (laughs) 
Um, so this, this, this has the makings of a very difficult, emotional kind of game. I don't know if this is good news or bad news, but most of these players have not experienced that, right? That vitriol from Arizona, that emotion that you, you that is involved in this game. Like, going into it blind, it could either be a complete shell-shocking ex- uh, experience to them, or it could be, look, like, this is just another team we need to play, right? Um, that rivalry isn't that ingrained in the, a lot of these players, and and frankly, won't really need to be because they're going to play them twice, maybe three times this year if uh, we catch fire at, in the conference tournament. Which, by the way, might be our only path into the tournament. <laughs> I know you mentioned that there's no path into the tournament, but uh, there is that road potentially. That's the only path. Yeah. Well, yes. Um. But but I think this is it'll be interesting to see how this team responds. And, you know, building off of the last two wins, you know, getting some confidence, playing, you know, deep, go, getting back to basics, playing Mick Cronin basketball, playing good defense, and actually playing a an effective on, offensive game. That's probably not going to be enough to beat Arizona as good as Arizona is um, this year. Though they have shown a penchant to kind of melt down and, and at times uh, if still kind of a weird team in the sense that Tommy Lloyd keeps swapping the starting roster out. We saw Bradley start today uh, against uh, Southern Cal. Kill- Killian Boswell's not playing well. He's been kind of benched. So there's, there's some shaky, a little bit of shakiness there. I, 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 and generally, I, I, I hope, and, and I know UCLA has played really well against Arizona, even though when we've looked at it and said we're going to get crushed in the past, historically speaking. And they've played pretty well in Tucson, historically speaking. So we'll see. I, I hope that our guys can step up to this moment a little bit and, you know, have some pride in this rivalry and at least play a respectable game and not get blown out i don't think we will win but i really hope to god we somehow pull some sort of rabbit out of our our hats here and beat arizona because that would be fucking glorious it'd be fucking glorious um i'm not holding my breath but it'd be really fucking glorious uh arizona at home has been kind of a buzzsaw so it's going to be hard to go in there, and and again, I, I I want to see us. I want to see us fight. I want to see some like a, there needs to be a redemption performance uh, after that Utah game. Like the the two games we had was like that's all great, um, but this is the kind of game where you can have a redemption performance. And look, uh, whatever's happening, like this is a game where Mick's got to let him play a bit you're not going to go into Arizona and have a perfect game. You got to let him play. But with that said, this game and the rest of the year, um, the only path for UCLA to be competitive as well as to develop the roster for the future is again, defense, defense, defense. You got to commit to it. Try to force turnovers, try to get yourself early, easy baskets and don't give the other team the ball. That's the only way, this team can be competitive like I know people point to the shooting a lot and yes we shot better against Washington and we definitely shot better from three uh in this this game tonight uh shot what 37 percent uh from three against Arizona State but generally speaking this isn't a team that's gonna shoot very well from game to game to game that's there's just gonna be a lot of variance there and more bad variance than good ones this is a game we need to make ugly to your point with defense, I mean, yeah. you you got to turn this into a rock fight. Make every shot difficult. Be very physical and historically, and I think even this year, Arizona generally has not responded well to be a physicality. I, I I think they can be soft, frankly, and I don't know if this if UCLA as a team is there to that level of toughness that it needs to be. I think it's not, but you know, 
this is an opportunity to show that you can be that kind of team now. Uh, I think we have the pieces to do that. We've shown some level of it in in various times, but can we put it together in a whole game? Uh, remains to be seen. But if we can make this game ugly, make it make it difficult, make it just muck it up. I mean, sure, we have a chance to win. Uh, we have enough talent to do it. Um, just remains to be seen kind of if we can pull it off. And we've seen it this year, right? We saw Marquette. We saw Gonzaga. We've seen these other t- games that we've been able to really just kind of throw teams off and, and have chances to win. And to your point, this ASU game was the first time we were actually on the positive side, on the W side of, of one of those ugly kind of games down the stretch. So maybe this that we can build on that, right, going into to this Arizona game and, and keep that up and keep that level of intensity up and see if we can we can make this ugly and try to steal a win. But it's, it's, it's going to be a tough one, and like you said, not holding my breath, but um, fingers yeah. crossed. Definitely not holding my breath. You sound very optimist, optimistic. I'm happy you are. I'll say this. Um, we're, we're losing by find, 20, at least. We're, we're going to have to find who our leader. We're going to find who our leaders are in this game because this is like we all. The the previous teams knew that right. Uh, like the last two years, we've gone to Tucson. It's it's snowballed early, but those teams knew how to hold it together and always bring it back. Um, if this team, if it snowballs, is there someone that can pull it together and turn it around so that like we can make it a competitive game i think those are things you're gonna have to find out this game against asu i thought you know for example sebastian max had a lot of leadership to come back respond to this benching and lead the game down the stretch a dembona was a leader um to change every single shot and basically change the way asu was playing uh in that second half you know it, it do we got that in us in tucson where you know if that in there, if you get down by 10, the crowd really gets into it. Um, that 10 becomes 20 real fast. So that's, I think, where we're going to find out. Um, if, you, if, we, if we got that in us to, to kind of stick it out, then maybe, you know, you can, get, you can make it competitive. But we'll see. It's, I, it's, it's a measuring stick game for sure. Well, we'll find out um, Saturday at 1 p.m. Pacific. Uh, I, will, I will tune in. I don't know about you, Kevin. I know you were, you're you're very scared to watch this game, and I I get it, but uh, I'll be tuning in to see what's going on here. Um, does overlap with NFL playoffs, uh, especially for my team, so that's a little bit unfortunate. So we'll be we'll be dual screening this one. Turn on the laptops, man. Laptops, phones. Multiple screens, get them out. Nah, screw that. I'm just going to go buy another TV, a third TV for the house, just to dual screen this. Nice. Um, but, yeah, uh, in other news, I think we haven't talked about this uh, before we, we do sign off. Uh, the women's team, unfortunately, took their first loss of the season um, to, also unfortunately, to the other school across town. Um that was obviously not ideal. Uh, they showed they, a lot of fight to come back and make it a game. Um, they were, they were down or, or early in that game and came back. Uh, but yeah, uh, hard, hard to go perfect, of course. Uh, South Carolina, the only remaining perfect school left. Uh, but yeah, definitely always disappointed to lose that game. Yeah, on the road uh, at the Galen Center. So you know, we we've split the the season um series this year uh, we did beat them at home but yeah the the season moves on this is obviously a really really tough stretch of the season for the women's team on friday we're now having to face number three colorado so let's see how the team responds to taking that first loss of the season like can we rebound from that and beat colorado um I think I think this team has the the mental toughness and obviously the talent and the depth to do it, uh, and I think Corey Close has them playing really high level basketball. But you know, taking that first loss is always difficult, and 
know, teams can either fold or really kind of learn from that experience. And, and my money's on them learning from that experience and, and improving on it. But again, tough, tough stretch of the season with another top five team coming in and having to play them. So yeah, we'll tune in on, on that game on Friday. And uh, I believe that's at home. So if you uh, are around, I would. Colorado's on the road this Colorado's week. Colorado's on the road this week. Okay. I was switching yeah. them up. So never mind. I guess if you're in Boulder and you're a UCLA fan, go go watch the women's team. Go support that team. Cool. Um, anything else we want to cover? Um, I know there's been a few things going on with uh, with basketball, or sorry, with football. But maybe we leave that for another day. I think we can leave it for another day. All right, let's do it. Cool. Well, with that, uh, we are going to. Go ahead and sign off. Uh, As always, you can find us on Twitter. Feel free to tweet at us. Uh, The show is on Spotify, on Apple, on basically every podcast platform. Uh, And if it isn't, let us know. We'll get it there. Share it with your friends. Share it with your family. Share it with whoever likes UCLA or loves UCLA or watches UCLA sports or doesn't and hates us. We'll, We'll take your listens anyways. Uh, And with that, as always, go Bruins. Go Bruins.